Good morning, everyone. I am so happy to be here with you this morning, worshiping the Lord together. Um, coming to Sycamore is like coming home, and uh, this is the place where I started ministry uh, here in Virginia. And uh, it's so nice to see everybody. Um, and I thought I'd give you just a little bit of an update on, on Nancy and the kids and the family. So we came to Sycamore in 2002, actually, and the kids were, see, Gabe was eight, Taylor was five, and Allie was three. And uh, so now Gabe is 26, working for a pharmaceutical company. Uh, Taylor is 23, working and living in Midlothian. And Allie, as you, most of you know, Allie was married to Nate last September. She's 21. So, and uh, Nancy's doing great and taking time off. Um, and uh, enjoying, we're both enjoying actually empty nester, uh, this empty nester period in our life. So uh, just a little bit of an update there. And I um, also wanted to give an update on, on what I'm doing. So last year I retired from Evergreen Community Church in Powhatan. We still live in Powhatan. And um, I now work for a Mission to the World, MTW. And uh, as many of you you probably know Lloyd Kim. I believe Lloyd Kim, who is the coordinator of MTW, uh, came to Sycamore last year or sometime recently. Yep. And um, so he is the overall coordinator for all of MTW. And one of uh, Lloyd's priorities is what's called mobilization. And mobilization is the, the kind of the front end process of, uh, of this whole, of, of, the, of, the, of MTW which really focuses on recruitment and uh, coming alongside churches to help disciple people into global missions. So as part of that mobilization focus, Lloyd created five U.S. regions or five hubs, uh, West Coast, Southwest, Midwest, Northeast, and Southeast. And there's a director for each of the regions, and I'm the director for the Southeast region of MTW. And again, these were created so that PCA churches have more access to uh, MTW and vice versa, and also to the resources that we have to help churches disciple more people. Um, my region uh, entails and encompasses eight plus states, actually. I have all the states from West Virginia down through the southeast, Florida, across to Mississippi and uh, the eastern uh, third of Tennessee. So that accounts for 991 churches and 35 presbyteries. Um, so please pray for us. Uh, I have a team of five people that work with me, one full-time, one three-quarter time, and two part-time. Um, and so, again, we would love your prayers as we work and meet with churches, with presbyteries, with RUFs, other campus ministries, seminaries, Christian colleges, and uh, other churches as well. This morning, I'd like to just um, talk a little bit about your MTW, your mission to the world, that is Sycamore's, and uh, uh, kind of encourage you by reminding you of uh, some of the priorities that your missions committee has. And then I'm going to go into how MTW can come alongside and help you with some of that, and hopefully you'll be both challenged and encouraged this morning. So before we continue, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this gathering. We thank you for the privilege, Lord, of worshiping you in freedom, and uh, we just ask that uh, you continue to calm our hearts and minds so that we can, Lord, continue to focus on you, worship you now in your word, 
and um, also be encouraged, Lord, by your work um, to continue your kingdom expansion throughout the world, and that uh, we at Sycamore and we at MTW are privileged to be a part of that process. Lord, thank you for your um, grace to us. Give us grace now as we uh, listen to your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so your MTW. I'd like to encourage you again, like I said, and challenge you a bit from your very own Missions Committee Policy Manual this morning. I'll be using all the scripture passages directly from your own Missions Committee Policy Manual, and I've grouped them into two main groups, um, God's Heart and then God's Method. And under God's Method, two subpoints, which are God equips and God sends. So first, God's Heart. And here are a couple passages from your manual that I'd like to highlight. Matthew 9, 36 to 38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And another passage in Matthew 18, verses 10, 11, 12 See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And then verse 12, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of that one that went astray? And if he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. And of course, uh, the famous verse, well-known, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I'm just uh, quoting a few of these passages to talk about God's love and his heart for his people, in that God does not desire for people to perish. And we see that in other places in Scripture as well. 2 Peter 3, 9 the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Our gracious Heavenly Father desires that all come to repentance and to place their faith in his Son, Jesus. And God takes no pleasure in people going to eternal destruction. We even see this in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel 33, 11. Say to him, as I live declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? So as we look at these passages again, God has compassion on the sheep, for they are helpless, they are harassed. God goes after the sheep, even leaving the 99 behind to go after that one who has gone astray. And all this because God loves the world, that he sent his one and only son. And so God's love for his people is so great, that he sends them his best. God sends his best in Jesus. Yesterday, I was on a Zoom video conference call as many of us are, are now these days. And we were meeting with the regional director for Central America and one of his team leaders who happens to be in Honduras. 
He showed us uh, some pictures of what life is like in places like El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. There is extreme poverty there, and life is very hard. In Guatemala, 59% of the people live below the poverty line. Just imagine that, 59% of the people. There are children on the streets trying to find food, and many of them get so depressed that they are sniffing glue to numb the pain of their daily existence, their daily toils. Women and children are trafficked all the time for sex trade, for the sex trade. Um, and there, he even showed some pictures of, of people in the street who were dead. It's so sad. The children, you can see the children's faces in these pictures. Um, they're either in unbelief and shock, or they're also like, they have faces that are like, we're used to seeing this. This is, unfortunately, this is common for them. This was such a heartbreaking um, meeting in that sense. Um, and the guy who presented it himself, you could just tell his heart was heavy. Um, and he was pleading for us to go to our churches to ask the people that would they consider helping out? Would they consider going to places with such need? Um, we need people there to plant churches, to work with the abused, to work with uh, young people, to mentor the young people, young women, young men, and provide hope through the gospel. When you see this, does this not move your heart? Does this not also hopefully align your heart with the Lord's heart? And won't you see um, with the same heart as God does? And um, this is the kind of heart the Lord has for his people. He sees this, and he has compassion on them, just as the, the verse says. The other uh, section that uh, kind of jumped out at me in terms of your, um, the verses from your manual is God's method. And God's method is twofold. He, he equips and then he sends. And of course, uh, you guys have Ephesians 4, 12 and following to, um, to talk about this. And Ephesians 4, 12 simply says, as you well know, that the work of the pastors and elders and shepherds is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And um, it talks about how in doing so, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. And that, that's what Paul was talking about. So the Lord, of course, has graciously provided Sycamore all these decades with uh, able and um, gifted um, and humble elders for you. Your elders, teaching elders, ruling elders, and deacons, and your missions committee are all there to help disciple you. And, of course, it's the primary, of ta primary task of the elders to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's not the task of the elders and pastors to do all the task of ministry. No, it is the task of elders and pastors to equip the saints to also do the work of ministry together. And then one of the positive effects is uh, verse uh, 16 at the end of this chapter where Paul talks about um, the great blessings that the entire body, as it is equipped, is working together. And grows as well. So thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord for your elders and deacons and pastors. The second is that God sends. Most of your passages 
either talk explicitly about this or imply this in some way. For example, God, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he what? Sent, and well, he gave his only son. So God sets the example in that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to accomplish redemption for his people, to take on human nature, to live, to die as our substitute, to be raised to newness of life, to redeem his people. So notice that God sends his best. He gave his one and only son. And Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. This is, of course, the Great Commission, and God is commanding that we go. This is explicit. He is sending his people, that is, we, followers of Christ, to go. And Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So this verse also is implying uh, being sent uh, because you can't be a witness unless you are there and proclaiming the gospel, unless you are sent. And look, it says, to the ends of the earth. So we go to all the people groups of the world. There are still 6,900 unreached people groups in the world who have never heard the gospel. And Matthew twenty two thirty seven, again, he said to him, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Even here, with the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment, what is implied by the second greatest commandment is that you are sent to love your neighbor. Go and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what's implied. And also Matthew 9.36, which we read earlier on, uh, he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The Lord entreats us all to pray for new and additional laborers to be sent out. And then finally, Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So Paul focuses, I mean, Paul here, as well as the other writers, all, all these passages that are in your policy manual really talk about being sent and being sent of God. And the other thing is, there's great need. There is great need. I know when people talk about missions, they, we, we often inundate people with uh, too many statistics, and uh, I won't inundate you, but I will bring a few things up for you just to, just to highlight the need that is still out there. Um, for example, there's one Christian minister or ministry person, doesn't have to be a pastor, 
uh, for every 270 people in the United States. Do you know what that ratio is for Muslim countries? It's one in every 450,000 people. That's astonishing. There's a great need. Again, as I mentioned, there are 6,900 unreached people groups left, which accounts for a population of about 2.5 billion people. That's, that's about a quarter of the entire population of the world are still unreached. People talk about, um, you know, hey, well, we have people coming here. We don't need to go anywhere else. Or, or uh, it's better to train up nationals uh, and uh, indigenous people so that they can plant their own churches and they can uh, shepherd their own people. And certainly, uh, we do all that. Um, but sometimes that's put in opposition to actually sending uh, career missionaries. And as you can see, the need is great. It's all of the above. It's not one or the other. It's, not, it's, it's both and. We need to reach the people that are here in our own country uh, that do not know the Lord yet. We need to go help out and come alongside nationals in their own country to raise up their own um, leaders and pastors and church planters so that they can minister in their own country and in their own context. Absolutely, we need to do all that. In fact, uh, I don't want to speak for him, but that's kind of what uh, Tim and Therese Gallage do. Uh, your church, Sycamore, supports them, and so does my former church, Evergreen, as well. We support them. And uh, Tim is now the regional director for Southern Africa for MTW. And um, one of his main tasks is to do just that, to work alongside the nationals that are there so that they can, be, they can train and, and raise up men to plant more churches in their various contexts um, and, uh, and uh, much more effective in that way. So pray for them as well. So that's what they're doing. Um, uh, and, of course, money. People don't like to talk about money, but uh, we need to bring that up just a little bit here. I remember years ago when Trevor and I taught a class together um, from uh, Randy, one of Randy Alcorn's books on money, possessions, and eternity, something like that. And uh, as the Lord would have it, we, we saw people's hearts changed, and we saw the Holy Spirit work. A wonderful time. Um, if you take into account all the Christians in the world, all the people who call themselves Christians in the world, um, their income is about $42 trillion a year. Now, giving to missions out of that is $45 billion. Now, that's kind of hard to kind of see what that is, but percentage-wise, that accounts for only point. Zero, zero, one percent that our income goes to missions. In real terms, that is like saying if you make something like 50000 a year, you're giving only $50 a year to global missions. Now, I realize, Sycamore, you guys support a lot of missionaries. Your budget, you have a... And, and, and uh, praise to you for increasing your budget throughout the years so that I know the church is uh, very much supportive of, of missions of, ver of a variety of kinds. But we can do better. We can do more. I mean, just imagine making 50000 a year in, in terms of an individual basis now, not collectively or corporately, but individually only spending $50. I mean, we spend more than that on coffee um, in, uh, in a month. 
um, or two. There's a great need, is my point. It's not to guilt you into all this, but there's a great need. Uh, here's another example of great need. We have so many uh, regions in, the, in MTW. We have Asia, Europe, Africa, Latin America, and we have an area called uh, what we call enterprise, which are countries which are, uh, have a high security um, situation, so we want to protect them. So we have all these regions. We also actually happen to have at MTW uh, something that's domestic, even though it's not international, it's still domestic, and that is um, that we have a ministry to the indigenous First Nation tribes of the United States. Did you know that there are about 575 indigenous First Nation Native American tribes in the U.S.? Right here, there's a tremendous need. Most of those tribes are still not reached. Um, and so we need more workers to reach these tribes. And it is, it, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? People are right here. Um, and these tribes are right here. We don't need to learn another language. They all speak, we all speak English. We don't have to go to another country or get a passport. They're right here within uh, our country. And um, it's because of that, the cost is also not that high. So... Um, you could easily spend some time and learn about uh, the needs that people have and pray that the Lord uh, calls you there. And uh, this is uh, not only a need, but this is uh, to show you that this is one of the areas that MTW can help out. We do have short-term vision trips or two-week trips, short-term trips, uh, uh, exactly for these purposes, which is to, for you to go out and actually experience what it's like to be amongst different people groups and uh, throughout the world as well as here and uh, to learn about them, to build relationship, to see what it's like, what their context is. And so you come back and you're moved and uh, you know better how to pray for them, how to support them. It is amazing. It, it is so exciting. Remember I used to go to, when I was here, I went to a couple places on missions, with a couple, twice to Uganda with Don Mountain and uh, once to China. And I've been to Jamaica, I've been to Israel, I've been to Japan, I've been to, back to China. Um, I've been to, um, let's see, a couple of, oh, uh, to London, of course. Our church supports a church plant outside of London to the Hindus. Um, and every time I come back from any of these trips, I'm always uh, just excited uh, to do more kingdom work for the Lord. So I urge you to take advantage of that, and for there is a great need. So um, from, uh, the, from the pages of your own uh, missions committee policy manual, um, this is Sycamore's mission to the world. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the quote, the, the sentence of your purpose. Uh, the purpose of the committee will be to stimulate participation in missionary activities through actively supporting missionaries with prayer, financing, and encouragement, to encourage the maximum involvement in short-term mission projects, to see Sycamore send additional workers into full-time service. So this challenge is both for the church collectively and you individually. So uh, let me challenge you both collectively and individually. Are you actively supporting missionaries, um, and praying for them, and financing them, and encouraging them, even personally. 
You know, it's one of the greatest things if you're in the field uh, to get a letter from your home church and to, to just get a letter and, to, and for them to know that uh, you're, you're praying for them and you're supporting them. And into this, are you maximally involved in missions projects? Are you sending additional workers into um, full-time service? Now, that last one goes hand-in-hand hand with one of our MTW challenges. Uh, MTW has something called the 1% challenge, and that is simply a call for all PCA churches to commit to praying for our denomination and individual churches to raise an additional 1% of workers to go into the field for Jesus. So let's say, let's round it off that there are about almost 300,000 members of the PCA. Uh, 1% would mean that we could be able to send out 3,000 additional ministries, uh, missionaries for the glory of God. Imagine that. Perhaps even from Sycamore, 1% more from Sycamore. That would be amazing. So I urge you all to commit to the 1% challenge and, uh, and to help keep global missions on the forefront of your minds here at Sycamore. You know, really, there are only two categories of followers of Christ in this regard. And I think I got this from uh, John Piper years ago. There's only two categories. Actually, there's three, but... There's two main categories. There are those who are sent, right? Those who are called and trained and supported and prepared to enter the missionary field. And then there are those who are sending, those who are maximally involved in, in the calling, training, and supporting and praying for full-time missionaries. Now, there is a, a third category. It's not very encouraging. I'll just mention what it is, uh, and that is the disobedient. Sorry, I don't mean to offend, but uh, this is a challenge from God, isn't it? As we just saw, God sends, and he expects us to be a part of that, whether sending or sent, or both. And he needs all of his people uh, from all backgrounds and races and experiences and age to be involved in this process. Yes. So, I just wanted to remind you a little bit about um, uh, of your own mission from your own policy manual. And uh, I wanted to just end with uh, talking about here's where MTW can come alongside you to help you and to help disciple you towards global missions. So first, quickly, uh, I'll talk about who is MTW and our vision and mission and then how we can help. So MTW is the global missions arm of the PCA. Uh, this, is the, uh, this is the agency within the PCA um, that is governed by your own uh, committee for MTW. They oversee Lloyd Kim and all of us at MTW. Uh, the committee on MTW is voted, uh, the people are voted onto that committee from the General Assembly. So that comes directly from the churches. So this is your MTW, your agency that serves you. The vision of MTW is simple, the gospel of the kingdom advancing throughout the world. And the mission is... Also simple, it's making disciples among all nations. And we uh, like to focus at uh, MTW on four core values. The first is that uh, we come along, that, that we work with churches. Uh, we don't take over from you, from you, we work alongside you. We come alongside the church to help disciple uh, the people, your people, into global missions. The second is that we're grace-based, uh, community life and ministry, which are shaped by God's grace 
for us through Christ. Third, we're Reformed and Covenantal. That's our, um, our theological framework, and uh, we are guided, inspired, and shaped by that theology. And fourth uh, is mercy, justice, and the love of God, and that the love of God is demonstrated by acts of mercy and justice. So that's a little bit about who MTW is. How can MTW come and help you? Well, we come alongside churches to help disciple the people. We have discipleship resources, uh, Bible studies, small group studies. We have MTW mobilizers like myself, uh, people to connect with churches and to build relationship, to help with um, candidates who are uh, thinking about uh, coming to do global missions. We have online resources. We have missions forums, both in person and now, of course, virtual mission forums, virtual mission trips. Uh, there's one coming up at the end of this month that, I, that, I'll, uh, that you guys will, will get my email about, and you can join us in that. Uh, these virtual mission trips are great because you get to meet missionaries, you get to hear about God's work in them and through them, and be educated and hopefully inspired. We obviously have, like I just mentioned, uh, vision trips, short-term vision trips, short-term uh, two-week trips. We also have short-term internships, for example, one-month-long internships. So, for example, in the summertime, you might be able to spend a month somewhere um, ministering in somewhere in the world. Anywhere, inter the internships go anywhere from one to 11 months, actually. We have a nine-month program called Path 270, which is a nine-month um, uh, uh, short-term missions where you spend three months at three different places, three different countries. Um, and so a wonderful uh, program for those that are perhaps uh, in school and college or, or you know, a, a, for a gap year or even after graduation. And we also work, we, we have so many ministries that we have. So, um, and then we partner with other agencies, of course, uh, to put together trips and trainings wherever appropriate. We, we work with RUF, for example. RUF, great uh, ministry partner. Lots of young people want to go out and uh, serve the Lord that way. Also, M&A. Uh, M&A is Mission to North America. That is the church planting arm of, um, of the PCA for North America. And so they focus on planting churches in North America. And finally, let me just encourage you with this, that the Lord God Almighty, ruler of the universe, loves you so much that he sent his very best. He sent his one and only son to do the work of redemption, to stand as our substitute, to receive the just punishment that we deserve, and to be resurrected to give us new life, a new hope, and new love. He also sent other believers into your lives, who brought the good news to you, and now you are in God's family. How many of us, how important was it to have someone actually come into our lives, bring us the word of God, to tell us the gospel, to show us the gospel? Uh, very important. And all of us have that kind of a testimony in one fashion or another. Are you not moved by the gospel? I know we hear the gospel all the time, and we kind of get used to the message of the gospel, but when you think about it, the gospel is not just for justification. That is the, the declaration that we are now uh, righteous and that our sins are forgiven. That's a one-time event. The gospel is also for daily living, for sanctification. So it's not just for justification. It's also for sanctification. Sanctification is that process, ongoing process whereby God is still making us 
and converting us and, well, transforming us into the image of Christ. So we need to be reminded about God's incredible love for us in the gospel. And, And that as followers of Christ, he loves us so well, so completely. And we are moved by that. I am moved by that. Wouldn't you want, therefore, others to experience that? Right? To know the God of the universe. To be loved by God. Wouldn't you want people to know the love of God? To know him. To love him and be loved by him. Just imagine you are one of those 450,000 Muslims in the world, like I mentioned, who are found mostly in the so-called 1040 window, you know, the 1040 window, which is 10 to 40 degrees latitude north, which encompasses most of the Middle East and Asia, China, India, and uh, which is mostly, most of that is Muslim countries. So just imagine that, uh, remember I said that there was only one Christian worker for every 450,000 Muslims in the world. Just just think that you're one of the 450,000 Muslims. And you have no one person, nobody to talk to about Jesus. No one to explain to you the gospel. No one to show you Jesus. How sad is that? Doesn't your heart hurt for those that don't know him yet? If so, then um, your heart is like God's heart, like we said earlier. And so also... Not only that, but you have God's heart, but you are also sent by God to the lost so they can also see God and his heart. Would you consider that? Would you consider praying for that? Would you consider going yourself? It doesn't matter what age you are. In fact, for those of us who are, in our, who are maybe of, uh, of uh, upper ages, um, I'm 62 now, um, and we're empty nesters, as I said before. It's a great time, perfect time to go out. And we have more time to minister to others, to bring the gospel where others don't know him yet. Would you consider going? Would you consider being sent? And would you, at minimum, send and support those who are called to go? Would you consider that? Would you pray that the Lord of the harvest send out more workers into the field. It's a pleasure being with you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Sycamore's mission to reach the lost. We pray that you will continue to refine that and to uh, develop it and increase it. I pray that there would be 1% here right from Sycamore's membership, Lord, that would be uh, willing to go, to be sent, to work, to bring the gospel to the lost. So those that are just Uh, literally dying. I pray that for those that can't go, that they would be enthusiastically, Lord, sending in every way prayer, finances, in all kinds of ways, using their talents and skills, whatever they happen to be, and all the gifts that you've given them to support this effort, Lord. And so to see your name exalted and to see you glorified. Thank you for that privilege, Lord. Thank you for uh, worship this morning. We pray all this on the merits of Jesus Christ alone. Amen.